0: We'll to Bloodworks, a show about the global HIV epidemic. I'm Greg and you're listening to CKUT 90.3 FM. On today's show, in consideration of last week's World AIDS Day, we're taking a look back at the history of the epidemic and its growth. Plus, we spoke with a group who started a free rapid HIV testing clinic at Concordia University to help break the stigma surrounding testing. All that and more today on Bloodworks. But before we get started today, um, we'd like to go ahead and introduce ourselves a bit. I'm in studio today with John and Tina. Say hi. Hello.
1: Hey, Montreal.
0: And together we're part of a great initiative at Concordia, a course on HIV and the epidemic. And uh, this is our internship. We're going to be spending our time with you on the first and third Mondays of the month talking about HIV and its impact both here in Montreal and around the world. Um, so world. World AIDS Day happens every December 1st, since it was founded in 1988. Its purpose is to unite people in the fight against AIDS, show support for people living with it, and to commemorate people who have died. According to the UK's National AIDS Trust, more than 35 million people have died since HIV was first identified in 1984. But how have things changed in the past 32 years? As the world struggled to find an explanation for AIDS, options for treatment were limited. It wasn't until 1987 that the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved the use of AZT as treatment. AZT is an antiretroviral drug, meaning an anti-HIV drug, and it was the FDA's first drug approved to treat HIV. It wasn't until 1992 that the FDA approved the first successful combination of drugs to treat AIDS. In 1996, the FDA approved a new form of treatment to suppress HIV replication. That treatment is known as HART, or Highly active antiretroviral therapy. It's a bit of a mouthful. HEART involves getting people with HIV a combination of at least three drugs to reduce the chances of the virus developing resistance. But despite all of these improvements in treatment, HIV and AIDS together um, have become the fourth largest killer worldwide by 1999. More recently, the FDA approved the use of PrEP for individuals at high risk for HIV infection. PrEP, or pre-exposure prophylactics, is when an HIV-negative person takes antiretroviral drugs to reduce the risk of becoming infected. According to the World Health Organization, there were just 30, under 30, 37 million people living with HIV at the end of 2015. As of mid-2016, the World Health Organization also reports that more than 18 million people are receiving antiretroviral treatment worldwide. The World Health Organization estimates that only 60% of people who have HIV are aware that they're positive. Part of the process in changing this—sorry um, about that. Part of the process in changing this is through accessible testing. Getting an HIV test isn't something that people might think about, and for those who are just trying to encourage people to swab their mouth or prick their finger and get tested, finding the right message for them can be tricky. Now, routine testing for HIV in primary care setting is becoming more and more of a reality in the Canadian in Canadian health clinics. Uh, This method for screening HIV and AIDS offers the test to all sexually active patients, and that's something many believe will help break the stigma around getting tested. But what if you don't have access to clinical care? Fortunately, several health organizations around the city offer free, anonymous testing for anyone, even those without a Medicare card. During this past World's AIDS Day, Concordia University ran its own initiative, its own two day initiative, to provide free, rapid HIV testing for students. Uh, One of our team members, Alejo, has more on this story.
2: the 28th World AIDS Day. Since its inception, the event is an annual reminder of the massive global impact of the HIV-AIDS pandemic and the tremendous strides taken to eradicate the disease over the past 35 years. Over 37 million people are currently living with HIV-AIDS and while effective and affordable treatment exists, most will not see medication in their lifetime. In light of World AIDS Day, Concordia University hosted two days of free HIV testing. We spoke with Rachel Gauthier, the Student Life Coordinator at Concordia Student Union who organized the event.
3: The goal was to destigmatize getting tested. So we really wanted to put it out there and students could see that it was happening. Um, And it's a different kind of test that you usually do in a clinic. So you can get your results in less than 20 minutes.
2: The project was a partnership between Concordia Health Services, the Psychology Association, Queer Concordia, and the Student Union. The event was the only one of its kind to offer rapid HIV testing in a post-secondary institution in Montreal on World AIDS Day. Gautier spoke about organizing this event to raise awareness of HIV AIDS for students.
3: There's just so much little awareness about what exactly it is, and people confuse all the different types of STIs or viruses, and um, it's kind of this big puzzle of, of, and that we all put in the same box and we just don't want to talk about it. So I think it's important to put it out there.
2: Gauthier said they tested 40 people for HIV at Concordia Student Center. Rather than drawing blood, rapid HIV tests prick the finger to extract a blood specimen. The test is designed to be immediate, with results available after only 20 minutes.
3: Some students... When The ones that knew about it and came to the table, they were just really happy that this was happening and it was so short. Because usually when you do it at the clinic, you have to do the test and then you wait a minimum of 10 days before you get your answer. So that 10-day period just adds the stress. Um, so by knowing less than 20 minutes, I think people were just relieved. So that was a portion of the students. And some students didn't know what was happening, but by seeing the booth, they were attracted to the fact that it was happening right now and it was accessible.
2: Several members of the coordinating organizations helped with the testing, which was performed by nurses from L'Ordre d'Infermière et Infermière de Québec. L'Ordre also helped Concordia Health Services sponsor the event. Gaultier explained the process of getting a rapid HIV test.
3: So uh, at the beginning, the nurse discusses with you because have, you have a form to fill out. So you talk about um, your answers and uh, where you are, I guess, in, in life. And then... Um, The nurse takes a blood sample from your finger, um, and then the nurse explains every single step along the way with you, which is really great, and it's just a matter of um, putting chemicals with your blood, and then you see a little dot um, on the surface, and if it's one dot, it's negative, and if there's two dots, then it's positive.
2: Concordia's Rapid HIV Testing Clinic came to a close on World AIDS Day, but students around the city can still receive free and anonymous HIV testing in the CLSC Building on De Maisonneuve right beside Concordia's downtown campus. The walk-in clinic is every Monday and Wednesday from 2 to 5 p.m. or by appointment. The results come in seven days and no Medicare card is required. But for those who are wary of the seven-day wait, Concordia Health Services and CUPA are planning another round of rapid HIV tests in the coming winter semester during their exposition on sex. For Bloodworks, Alejo Briones.
0: And for those of you who aren't students at Concordia who are looking for a place to get tested, there are other options out there. Uh, downtown, for instance, there's the CLSC Metro, which has anonymous HIV testing. Um, for people under 25 years old, there's the St. Mary's Family Medicine Centre Youth Clinic in Côte neiges or the Head & Hands Medical Clinic in NDG. And there's also a handful of places to get tested in the Gay Village. Uh, that includes Clinique Lactuelle, Réseau, and CIDEP Plus Clinic. With a call that Tolerance and awareness help stop AIDS, UN chief Ban Ki-moon marked his final World AIDS Day as Secretary-General, saying that speaking out protects life. He was speaking at a special event in the UN's headquarters to mark the day at an event called Moving Forward Together, Leaving No One Behind. The event was organized by the UN's Program on HIV/AIDS, UNAIDS. Matthew Wells from United Nations Radio Reports.
4: The UN chief, who leaves his post at the end of December, promised to stand with all of you until we achieve an AIDS-free world. He noted that the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development promises to leave no one behind, adding that the UN was committed to end HIV infections, discrimination and AIDS-related deaths within the next 14 years. The UN AIDS executive director, Michel Sidibé, joined others in thanking Mr Ban for his leadership in the UN's AIDS response, which he's made a signature issue over 10 years in the job. Receiving a special leadership award, the UN chief called for action to get on the fast track to end AIDS and said that despite criticism of his stand by many around the world, he believed in equal human rights for all. The supermodel and activist Naomi Campbell praised Mr Ban and promised to stand with the vulnerable.
1: When you talk about leaving no one behind... You inspire me to make a difference in the lives of young women. Today, I stand in solidarity with the millions of young women and adolescent girls growing up in the world that puts them at risk of HIV. I'm talking about the triple threat, not knowing her HIV status, not accessing life-saving treatment, and not being empowered to protect herself from HIV. We won't end AIDS if we don't reach you.
4: UNAIDS International Goodwill Ambassador and Fashion Designer Kenneth Cole also spoke at the event, alongside Rebecca Awiti, a mother living with HIV from the Women Fighting AIDS in Kenya organisation who brought her young triplets all the way from Nairobi to New York to attend the event. Matthew Wells, United Nations.
0: And now let's take a look at some of the headlines on HIV and AIDS. Um, Obviously, with World AIDS Day coming up, we've had a lot more media attention around it. So we're going to go to my partners in the studio, Tina and John. uh, And they've been looking at a lot of the different articles being published um, over the course of the last week or so. So, um, Tina, I guess we can start with you. Uh, Anything interesting you wanted to share?
1: Well, um, first of all, good morning, Montreal. Um, I'm Tina. I'm very excited to be here for the next couple of months, just kind of... um, just explaining and um, giving out information that things that we've learned and having a discussion on this very important topic. A um, couple of things I do want to mention. The first one is about an um, article that I actually read on um, the Globe and Mail. Not sure if you guys seen this, but it was about Saskatchewan and how we should um, call basically a public health emergency. So there was an article that I'm going to be referring to it was from the Globe and Mail. It was published on September 16th of this year. And the main issue is that there are a lot of people um, in the province of Saskatchewan who are suffering from HIV AIDS. And um, the rates, for example, is 13.8% per 100,000 person that has HIV. And this, in comparison to the rest of the country, is about um, twice as much. So the nation average is about 7.8, and in Saskatchewan we have about 13.8 um, percent, close to double. And I think it's something that we, you know, should do more research on and find ways to understand. Um, they mentioned in the article also that the province had an aid strategy, but this ended in 2014. So we here we are in 2016, and numbers are still growing. Um, on one of the First Nations um, land, which is Atoko um, sorry if I mispronounced that, there's, for example, 60 out of 1,700 residents tested positive for HIV, a staggering rate of about 3,500 3, per 100,000 population. Um, to put this in perspective, um, it's higher than the HIV infection rate in Nigeria, which is located in West Africa. Um, putting this, um, speaking about Nigeria, and I'm also from West Africa, so I like when um, I can link Canada to my homeland. Um, So in Nigeria right now, this is kind of a positive news where Um, they have a, we have a man called Emmanuel Okuchuku who basically started a dating agency. Like, isn't that so awesome guys? That's great. Um, so this dating agency is for people who are living with HIV AIDS. This article was published in DW.com, um, on November 9th. And basically what the article talks about is in Nigeria, um, People and especially women are stigmatized if they're a certain age and they don't, they're not married. So, what do you do if you're a woman um, and you're HIV positive and you want to make sure that that's something that you discuss with your partner? Well, here comes Emayo Aguchugui, who has um, basically a cell phone, a small company that he started. He was an engineer and he's just basically receiving calls from different people who are HIV positive and who are looking for a mate. He receives about 100 calls a day and gets the main question that he gets speaking to him, um, asked to him was, is he positive? And his answer is basically he's not positive, but he sees the importance that it is to reach out and to provide social um, outlets and opportunities for people who are positive. Um, Similar to what we're doing here, basically, uh, making sure information goes out and letting people understand what it is some of the pressures are when you are living with HIV AIDS and to date Emmanuel has about 7,000 people who are looking for a mate on his website and on his call log which is pretty awesome I think small idea and they made it he made it happen we also have something similar here in Canada it's com, which is also a website for people who are HIV positive who are looking to find a mate online so it's pretty cool
0: yeah, it seems like a really good way to kind of flip the stigma of HIV on its head, mm-hmm. um, you know, talking about it and making it something that doesn't seem quite as scary or, or quite as mysterious by, by generating this kind of discussion around it.
1: Exactly. And I would say even for myself, um, on December 1st, so last week, Thursday, um, I know that every December 1st when HIV AIDS um, awareness day comes up, it's it might sound cliche, but just wearing red or even just having discussion Having that one day set apart um, for being open to listen to other people, reading stories about it, I think small initiatives like that make it easier for kind of everyone to speak about this in a um, you know in a nice positive way without always thinking about the negative parts that come to this. So that was kind of dope. And um yeah, so um, we're gonna flip it over to
5: John John John, John here. <clears throat> so today I'm going to talk about a couple different things. So in the last week uh I've read about two different vaccines that are in the in the the process of being implemented in two different continents. So out of Canada, out of Western University in Canada, there's a a vaccine that's in stage 2 of 3 or it's going to be in stage 2 in the fall. And this is a this is a vaccine that is it's a new type of vaccine that uses, um, uses a, a specific type of uh, antiviral, um, excuse me here, uh, it's a vaccine that, u- that uses a, um, anyways, So, basically, this is a Canadian university, Western University, and it's developed a vaccine that creates antibodies to fight HIV and other similar infections. It uses a uh, killed HIV-1 cell, the first preventative vaccine ever produced, and that uses, uh, it's the first HIV vaccine that's been produced that uses a killed HIV-1 cell. So... The phase two will. Phase two will. um, The the study for uh, the phase two will will put in. They will test this vaccine on 600 people in North America, and if it is successful, they will implement phase three, which will will test this vaccine on over 6,000 people worldwide. Amazing. Mm-hmm. That's really good That's pretty awesome. Yeah, so that's out of Canada. And another vaccine is being developed in South Africa. And this vaccine was first tested in Thailand, and, and it will then be tested in South Africa on 5,400 sexually active men and women aged between 18 and 35. And um, researchers are launching the trial after a study of the same vaccine was done in Thailand, and found that 31.2. It was 31.2 percent effective at preventing HIV infections over the three point five three and a half years of follow-up after the vaccination. So this vaccine is based on a study uh, in Thailand. It's the largest HIV vaccine uh, clinical trial to take place in South mm. Africa. And uh, researchers expect to have results for this trial by late 2020. So that's there's, wow. there's two different vaccines. Yeah. Um, hopefully yeah. we get some good results out of that, obviously. yeah. Sure. Yeah, amazing. And uh, the last thing that I, I would like to talk about, well, first of all, any, any mm-hmm. questions about, about well, that?
1: Well, I was going to say that's pretty awesome, especially if it's South Africa um, and Canada, of course, it's... Uh, I like seeing and hearing that like science is working towards finding your cure or definitely making lives for um, people who are suffering with this um, a bit easier. And uh, I know when the stigma that people have is, is no longer this death sentence that everyone thinks it is. So it definitely helps with bringing people together, those who are infected and those who aren't. And, yeah, I think that's pretty That's pretty cool. Thanks for sharing with that.
0: Hey, thank you. And it's exciting that we're moving beyond just the tr- you know, maintaining your life With HIV Mm -hmm. and trying to find a cure, Um, because drugs drugs nowadays they've expanded the lifespan. They've made you know you can live comfortably with HIV now, or or more comfortably than you could at least. But to see the fact that you know we're, we're getting closer and closer, exactly. even if it's baby steps towards yeah. a cure, or even, you know, just to see that these projects are happening on such a large scale. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tend to be pretty optimistic in general, but, yeah. uh, you know, hopefully this is a sign of good things to come.
1: Yeah. And on that point, I remember I was, um, we, we learned about how even the amount of pills that you have to take, and that was something that I didn't really understand, but now seeing that from you having to take, let's say, 10 pills at different hours of the day to maybe one or two pills, just thinking in my mind. That makes it much easier, much simpler for your daily lives and stuff like that. And um, yeah, for sure, things like that, uh, they help.
5: Absolutely. And there's one more thing that I would like to discuss or, or bring up at least. Uh, and there's been a new Vice documentary. You know, Vice comes out with some good stuff. Uh, this this documentary, it's called, well, you can, if you, if you type, if you put this in YouTube, uh, it goes by the silent HIV crisis sweeping the South, and basically this is a this is a short. It's about 30-minute documentary. It's about young gay black men in Jackson, Mississippi, and kind of the struggles that they're going through. Uh, Jackson is is really poor. There's not a lot of public transportation. It really limits these people uh, from getting to clinics, getting tested, uh, getting their treatment, going for checkups, and there's other there's other obstacles that these these young men have to have to get through and that's that's the fact that Jackson is a super religious super religious area it said forty nine percent of people in in Jackson are are attending church and consider themselves Christian uh, which isn't a problem by any means but because of its religious affiliation these these young men are being rejected by their families and that just uh, that just causes their struggle struggle to be even more uh more severe and uh so uh i don 't want to give away too much on the documentary it 's very good it 's short short and sweet and uh and I hope you guys uh get a chance to watch that so
1: mm-hmm. no.
0: All right. So really quickly, we're just going to head into one other local point. Uh, Something we want to bring up today is that there are two organizations um, that are holding a joint HIV training and testing day this morning. Um, Katie and the Native Women's Shelter of Montreal are putting on an event for Aboriginal AIDS Awareness Week, which runs from December 1st until December 6th, which is tomorrow. Um, today's event will feature speakers covering the prevalence of HIV in Aboriginal communities, which is a big problem, as well as the, uh, an on-site testing clinic. Uh, the testing and training day lasts today from 9, so right after our show, until 3 p.m. today at the Native Friendship Centre of Montreal. Um, for more information, visit aboriginalaidsawareness.com. Uh, and to wrap up today's show, we wanted to take a look at some spoken word, um, a spoken word performance on HIV-AIDS. Uh, Tina, I believe you found this. Uh, yeah, can you tell yeah. me, can you introduce for sure. uh, Mary Bauman's piece? Uh- for sure.
1: Well, uh, what I wanted to say, like for me, um, understanding anything, I like to see it through different aspects. So for sure, I like reading newspaper articles, uh, reading things from the UN, um, things like that. But I also love music, things that can make me feel... Um, either vibrations or just different sounds and just the way someone expresses themselves when it comes to a certain piece. Um, something that I love, of course, is poetry, spoken word poetry. It's kind of rap mixed with poetry together. Um, and basically, I have a piece here that I found. We're going to play it and uh, then you guys let me know how you guys feel about it. Sounds good, John? And
0: yep, sounds like a plan. Ahead. All right. So All this right. is Dandelion <laughs> by uh, Mary Bowman.
1: Bowman.
6: with AIDS. And I was born HIV positive. So a lot of the uh, poetry that I write and a lot of the work that I do in my life um, is dedicated to promoting awareness and letting people know about AIDS and HIV. Um, And so here's this poem. It's called Dandelions. A dandelion in the midst of rose bushes would stick out like a sore thumb to ignorant souls but I know the road this dandelion endured. This weed that all gardeners want to destroy is more appreciated by God than any seemingly beautiful bush of roses. Though that mutely misunderstood mellow yellow dandelion won't for long last, let it be known that God gave it the role of the outcast for divine importance. My mother was a dandelion in the midst of roses. Ignorant of her purpose, she uprooted her soul and unknowingly left herself for dead. It has been said that my mother went above the influence, transmuted broken hearts into smiles, all the while dying on the inside. AIDS didn't kill my mother. It put her at rest. Now this songbird whistles in the key of silence and I, the latter of five, write poems documenting the struggle unknown to my family. The sickness she denied lies in my blood with a lesser value. People speak, I don't know how you can live with knowing nothing but owning the growing dis-ease that your mother for so long fought. Just the thought alone would destroy me, but see, that's the difference between a rose and a dandelion. Roses were created with thorns to warn hands approaching without caution but dandelions weren't given that option but they were created by an all-knowing God and that all-knowing God created dandelions with the strength to withstand ignorance and hatred. Dandelions live in this matrix of life understanding the price. Roses live like the world was handed. Dandelions have to take the world and won't leave a rose stranded but my mother died before she got the chance to realize that are blessings in disguise. She, I dare say, died before her time. That thought lingers in my mind, conflicting with my belief in the divine. My mom raised me in the faith that the day God sweeps you away is a day proclaimed way before the manifestation, but I can't help but experience devastation. Knowing nothing about the woman who carried me, toting guns in the defense of my father, it is even harder knowing nothing about her, but knowing the reason the hospital has become my second home is because this dandelion chose to roam with the buffalo, but I seek serenity in the fact that she just didn't know that she, a dandelion, was just as beautiful as a rose, and I will go forth knowing my purpose as a dandelion this life is worth all the crying and all the dying I have to do just so someone in my shoes can live I will gladly give myself as the sacrifice if it means that dandelions in the world will become viewed as more than the consequence of sins behind closed doors you can lay me on my back and present me lifeless to God if it means that dandelions with unseen scars will not be viewed as odd but as gifts from God to show the world that beauty lies not in the petals of flowers, but in the power of unconditional love, and in the strength of the untouched, unhugged, sometimes unloved, but most important of all, unbudged dandelions.
1: Thank you. Snap, snap. I just love that poem. I mean, referencing someone who's suffered so much has a beautiful flower, I think it's, it's awesome. We're all well, all roses and tender lines in here, eh? Right? Mm-hmm. What do you think about that poem, John?
5: I think that that poem was very powerful, very powerful. I, I just, I, I'm thinking about my family and how lucky I was to not have that same situation with a family member that that has has HIV or or any any kind of disease that that can really really affect affect someone and affect the family and affect the person growing up. So that's that's really all I can say about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I have to say, for me, I think whatever your struggle is, everything that you go through um, is going to make you stronger. So um, her looking and seeing her mother going through the hospital is going to make her stronger as a person to deal with whatever issues she's going to have to go through and I always tell myself we all have our different paths is just finding a way for us to be better people, regardless of what happens to us.
0: And on that note, I think that's a perfect way to end our show. So, um, Bloodworks will be back on the third Monday of this month, so that's Monday, December 19th. We'll be here at 8.30 a.m. here on CKUT 90.3 FM. Um, Closing our show this week, we have a song by Sharon Red, who is an HIV-positive American disco singer, so you're going to end your morning on a really disco-y note. Um, Her song, Can You Handle It?, um Bloodworks is a collaboration between CKUT Radio and Concordia's HIV AIDS projects. Uh, the magazine is produced by a group of students uh, interns, who are interning here at the radio station for the program. So um for John, Tina, Alejo, and Greg, myself, um, thanks for listening and we'll see you in two weeks. Yes. Bye.